Hello, and welcome to Supply Chain Next. I'm your host, Richard Donaldson. Join me as we explore the ongoing evolution of supply chain, from the challenges practitioners face every day to the ongoing digital transformation of the entire value network. And welcome to another episode of Supply Chain Next. And I am super excited here in episode number two of 2022 to have David Quintilio here uh, for our retired SVP of strategy and uh, supply chain and a host of other things from UPS. And good morning, David. Hey, thanks, Richard. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Super excited. I'm going to jump right in uh, like we always do and uh, just start with the, 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 the softball opening of who is David Quintilio and, uh, you know, how, how do, let's, let's walk all the way back. How, how did you even get involved uh, from, from where you're at? I, I see some progressions from North Carolina to Georgia. would love to hear a little bit of story about who, who you are and what got you all started. Sure. Uh... I was born in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, well, I'll say raised in the mountains of North Carolina in Asheville. Uh, so spent my uh, childhood and, and high school years there and then went off to North Carolina State University, go pack. And, um, and my sophomore year there, I was, I was in engineering at the time and I needed to do something at the midnight hour um, to keep me busy, and I chose to work at UPS. So that's where I first started at UPS was in college, which a lot of folks did at the time. It was very uh, uh, lucrative from a pay standpoint for a college student and also gave you that business experience. So there was no plans at the time to stay there 36 years, but uh, kind of worked out that way. Um, so finished up at North Carolina State in accounting, and uh, it's funny, I, I, you might have heard I was in engineering, so I was in engineering for a while and decided I didn't want to be just an engineer uh, and wanted to be more in business, so I flipped over to the business school and finished in uh, in accounting, and, and you'll see that that's a trend throughout the career as well in the different functional roles. I knew I wanted to be in business uh, and, and wear many hats and, and be able to be a part of, uh, of shaping a business and not just in, in one area. So, uh, I, I'm finished in business there. Never wanted to be an accountant, uh, <laughs> but I got an right. accounting degree. So, yep. uh, and, and then from there I did go into finance and accounting at UPS and there was a, a uh, fortunate to get a full-time role there mm -hmm. and a variety of different, different roles in, in those departments. And then ended up moving to Atlanta, Georgia, um, and and uh, in in the nineties. So moved down here and and took a job in in a corporate in the regional and then corporate office, and uh, then decided I I need to get my master's and went to Georgia State and got my master's in finance because I was doing more finance uh, type roles and really. Um, Obviously, when you're engineering, accounting, finance, you've got uh, a little bit of aptitude for numbers. So I had that aptitude, but still didn't want to just stay in the numbers arena, right? I wanted to uh, be part of something, something bigger and something larger. So um, was in uh, is in UPS corporate office for a while, uh, about five years. Various roles there was was fortunate to be part of uh, of us going public and 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 creating uh, uh, some of the. The uh, the the uh, forecasting, trending, and uh, uh, materials uh, for pre-public and post-public. Um, and when when did UPS roughly go public? It was around the mid '90s, if I remember. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So uh, was and able this is to, pre pre-internet, you know, kind of hysteria around going public. Like UPS went public before it was cool to go public. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Uh, so that was that was uh, that was exciting. And uh, then I I decided I wanted to do something different that I that I hadn't done. Uh, so I was fortunate to have uh, a people that uh, in a company that had multiple roles and and ability to do different things. And so I asked to go to a supply chain. Uh, or the airline. I said either one. I, I, I'd never been part of either one. So 
I said, we, ha- we happen to have something in supply chain. So I, uh, I went over there and so, never so went back. Just a quick question on that, because this is an interesting thing for myself and, and certainly for the audience. But, you know, when I look at UPS, I think of it as a supply chain company. So what does it mean to be a supply chain organization within a supply chain company? Um, and at that time, you're also kind of, you know, it's an interesting period in the mid nineties because supply chain as a concept was at that point relatively new, right? I mean, we're kind of going back to the sixties when supply chain even became a practice. So the question really is, you know, you were looking to do something different. What attract, what, what was the definition of your job of supply chain within a supply chain company? I'm, I'm curious about that. And then, then would love to hear the experiences from there. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, it it's different um, for sure because you are a, a package company and you're you're a three PL within that package company. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say is that UPS afforded the entrepreneurial ability within that supply chain entity. Um, probably more than I would have expected. Probably not, not full, um, you know, if it was a standalone 3PL, probably not as much, um, you know, maybe risk or, uh, um, or leeway there, but, uh, a lot of, a lot of autonomy to, mm-hmm. to really run the business. And that, that's what really drew me there was, and kept me there was that ability to feel like I was actually running businesses and, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that there were so many companies that you're a part of, because you're running these supply chains for hundreds of companies um, globally, right? right? So, um, you, you know, you're basically their their supply chain arm for for their their company, and right. you build, and you build those relationships with them. You understand their strategy. You become ingrained in their strategy, and you help drive it with with the supply chain. So. You know that ability going over there, and then I went. I went to Canada for a couple of years, where we bought Livingston Healthcare up there. Post that, so I was. Uh, that's where I got my first healthcare exposure. Was with that team, and we expanded in Canada. And so when I came back down, I was running the the all North American uh, supply chain for all the healthcare companies, and that's where you 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 really get ingrained, and and you become part of those companies, and that's. That's what that's what really kept me there, and and uh, you know kept me motivated is really improving those companies' situations, their supply chains, and, and growing our collective uh, UPS supply chain business. Right, um, right. So is it is it so again from from an explanatory purpose because there's there's the actual UPS as an entity that has its supply chain, <clears throat> meaning. It has to get all the boxes and materials or whatever else that goes into, heck, I, you know, plane parts for all I know. I mean, there's probably a number of things that UPS as a company needs for its own supply chain. Then there's the actual supply chain business that you're describing, which is more of a consultancy or outsourced supply chain as a service, right? You also manage. So it was kind of, were there two sides to your supply chain organization? One that UPS was the client, and then one all of your customers were the clients. Yeah, I'd say the other side that you're talking about was is typical for most any entity. You know, you have your right. own procurement organizations and right. procure supplies and 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 carry that out. But but yeah, the, the 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 side at the time, the UPS supply chain solutions at the time, was really designing and running solutions for uh, other companies, right? And right. and. Right. You know, obviously, it helps feed the small package network. Um, you know, that's there. Who, you know, who is uh, you know the majority of the business? So it was mm-hmm. a complimentary uh, service um, that we provided, and and it it really grew from there um, yeah. as a, as a complement to you know a, a standalone reporting entity for UPS now. Yep. No, I, 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 well, and and to be honest, I mean, let's let's look at you know fast forward to today, twenty twenty two, and. You know, the idea of a supply chain as a service is like, oh, my God, everyone wants something like that. You effectively were doing that in the mid-90s, long before people even knew probably what supply chains even were. So you you built probably 
arguably one of the first supply chain as a service platforms long before we you know the pandemic that we have today i mean that's just a an incredible perspective and experience that you can really kind of bring to bear on what's going on today i mean i, I, I to me i'm just like fascinated by what you saw and what developed through that um effort over the course of nearly uh 30 years almost yeah no you're right and it and it's been a dramatic shift so you know back then uh there was a few major players uh, like ourselves, um, you know, you, you, you know, on the, the excels of the world and, and, sure. and you know, FedEx was dabbling in it. Um, and, and there was some, a couple medium players, but there wasn't these, uh, as many smaller startup, uh, supply chain, regional supply chain organizations. So those started to come on. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and really, really kind of target certain industries or segments, whether it's healthcare or whether it's returns like a Genco that came along, um, you know, or uh, um, a high tech and high volume or e-com that, you know, as e-com became a thing, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a e- e-fulfillment model. So mm-hmm. those, those players developed in the supply chain arena and you know, as you can imagine, the, the 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 four or five big guys that were playing earlier had to adapt as well mm-hmm. and create those solutions within the the portfolio of clients. And you know, thus we became uh, a little more um, industry focused. We morphed over that time to be industry focused. So we had a specific e e fulfillment product. Um, uh, we broke out healthcare two years ago. To really define from end to end, you know, the, the healthcare there. Um, so, you know, we everybody had to adapt to the to the market and the competitors that were there and what the customers were doing, you know. And you had the whole omni-channel thing crop up, you know. With, right. We couldn't even spell omni-channel back back then in the nineties, right? So, um, then it's well, we've got to. You know, we want to go direct. We've got wholesalers and, you know, we've got a commercial arm and, okay, how do we do all of this at once? And so that's where, you know, that's where, fortunately, you know, we were able to help and that's where I'm looking to help people today. And, yeah. and oh, I, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm salivating. I mean, anybody who's listening, anybody that knows you or anybody that sees your profile should be salivating at, again, what we're all scrambling to figure out today is supply chain platforms and technologies are kind of beginning to come out, you know, through the innovation cycle of demand, you know, and necessity that we know. You've been doing it for 30 years, right? So, so I'm going to kind of go into the heart of this a little bit, which is, you know, again, people are, you know, even, even me at Request building a supply chain platform, but everyone else that's out there building supply chain stuff, you know, you've been at it for 30 years. So, so here's the question is, what was the challenges Early on, so was the supply chain as a service business recently launched? Because I think it was in kind of the early '90s, if I remember correctly. Or I mean, you, you obviously were the architect of this. And then, as it started, what were the major challenges with those customers, right? In kind of adopting the supply chain as a service, how did you overcome that? And, and there's this is a bit of a leading question because underneath it, what I think is going to be I think the, you know, your insights is going to help people figure out how you fundamentally tie supply chains together. Because there's got to be some commonalities because you're already working with a bunch of clients. You have to build supply chains, a supply chain as a service that scales to multiple enterprises. So you've tackled a lot of the problems a lot of the new, newer-ish companies today coming out are, are trying to deal with. So what were those initial kind of challenges in the mid-90s? And then how did that morph over you know, until you recently left, like how did that change and develop? Because obviously, I mean, again, UPS, you just think of, you know, what you've done for 30 years, supply chain as a service. So what were the initial challenges, you know, and how did those develop over the last 25 years? What, what were the big insights that were like, oh my God, this is how you do supply chain as a service? Yeah, um, obviously much different then as it is, as it is now. Um, I would say there was, much greater reluctance for companies and 
specifically individuals responsible for supply chain in those companies to take their, you know, their prized, you know, 69 Camaro or whatever it may be and say, okay, here you go. Here's the keys, you know, treat it right. Yep. As you can imagine, there's a big hesitancy to do that. And, and so that's, that's the first hurdle you have to overcome is really that trust and confidence um, that you know their understand their needs, their business, their strategy, and you're guiding the, the supply chain strategy along with that. Mm-hmm. So getting over that hurdle. And then, of course, you've got players in that whole mix that may be losing their jobs. Um, yep. So when you're doing it as a service and turning things over, there's, there's people dynamics in there. Um, you know, you, you, you find less than optimal arrangements and you say, well, we, we, we really want, should move it to this way. And you've got people that made those decisions still there that are kind of protective. So back then there was a lot of that. Largely that's gone. And the reason I think is because supply chain technology, both software systems, automation, mechanization, has has developed so rapidly that people know, hey, whatever we did two years ago or a year ago, likely there's something better to do today. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's that pride of ownership that's there anymore. It's more like, hey, tell me what's new and can it help us? Um, and how does it help us, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many people, back again, back then, the channel shifts were slow. So if you were, you know, some people might try to disintermediate, you know, a wholesaler and, and take uh, an indir- a direct approach or for a few products maybe, but it was slow. Now, channel shifts are dramatic, right? Quick. Um, and so, you know, those things are, are happening so rapidly that, that they know they need help whether it's a supply chain as a service provider or whether it's a, you know, a management services and consulting, which that I've moved into now, either way, they know they need, they know they need help. And um, because everything's so dynamic, um, you throw in, you throw in the other issues, which, uh, you know, we, we may get into with risks and, 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 and pandemics and, and what's the future hold. Um, and there's a huge willingness for people to, to say, "Hey, I need help." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I, and and 100, I think I think anything in change management, when you're talking about you know anything that's innovative or disruptive, the status quo is always the hardest thing to overcome. I mean, that's just people people are creatures of habits, you know, job protection, things of that nature. Now, kind of th- looking forward, or maybe looking back, I guess is the way to think about this. You know, what were some of the things that surprised you in the development of the supply chain? Because again, I think what you just described is literally what the world is waking up to today about supply chains. They need to, I mean, again, you've forgotten more about supply chains than people today like myself have even learned. So, you know, in that sense, you have such, I, I think we're repeating what you've actually gone through. I think the world's repeating what you've actually gone through and experienced in a way, right? I mean, because there's still a lot of major enterprises that are a little slow to think about outsourcing their supply chain, even today. Right. Um, and a lot of the Fortune 2000s are kind of, you know, a little bit, they're, they're, they're there. I think they've overcome it, but it's still, it's still a little hard to get people over to like, I got to kind of let go of this thing. Like you said, it's my, it's my baby. I've built this. It's my supply chain. Um, what did you see that, you know, were the, what were the benefits, I guess, as you aggregated customers, started working with them? And this is the luxury of having done this for the last 20 some odd years, 30 some odd years is you saw like when you started the objections and then 10 years later, you saw the benefits, right? What were those benefits that were so clear cut to people? I mean, the obvious one, cost savings and everything else, but you know, for all the inhibitions and fears that people had initially of the unknown, talk to me 10 or 20 years later when you could look back on that and reflect and go, you know, yeah, you know, it wasn't as scary as you thought. It actually did benefit everybody. And even people that lost jobs, maybe got better jobs or you hired them you know, into different things, you know, what, what can you tell people today that are still kind of reluctant in even touching their supply chain that you saw is like, no, don't be afraid. This is what's going to happen. 
Yeah, uh, I guess I guess one story that stuck in stuck in my head was um, uh, I, I was looking with uh, with my team at the potential to take over a, a supply chain for a large pharmaceutical company back. Mm-hmm. It was probably early two thousands. Um, uh, twenty. It was eh, twenty ten maybe, and. Um, so they wanted to show us their operations and, and that it was, it was very automated. Um, so we, you know, we should be able to leverage it with putting other customers in there, which obviously supply chain as a service, 3PL, I mean, that's one of the benefits, right? Is to share, can share some labor, can share some space, so forth. So we went to look at the facility and, um, I said, yep, here's our, uh, you know, ASRS, it was built 10 years ago, 70 foot high, 70 foot high. So it's, you know, dense. Um, you could literally walk it upstairs faster than it moved. And, and I said, yeah, there's a lot of maintenance um, to it as well. So when you did, you went through the maintenance cost, um, it was, it was, uh, ridiculous from an efficiency and a cost perspective to even try to do anything with it. And meanwhile, had AGVs, right? The, the, the guided vehicles uh, mm-hmm. at the time, watch, this goes, it'll take that and, and it'll move it over there. So we watched, we watched, we watched, we watched. Literally, you could have, you could have shuffle stepped it faster than that was moving from there to there, right? <laughs> So, so moral of that story is um, you need to be open to the the, the newer technologies, um, the other ideas, and and the paradigm that you have of the operation. Um, you have got to be open to those other paradigms because people um, people do have that that uh, that that pride of of ownership or authorship. Um, mm-hmm. And it and it can uh, it can be breathtakingly different from what reality really is. But Absolutely. as I mentioned, being able to the, those those were repeated, not as dramatic. Um, but as you mentioned, um, those folks when we took over operations, guess what? A lot of times we took all the people, right, and then became part of a larger group where they can move among accounts. Yep. So. Um, you know, it affords the opportunity uh, there uh, as an option when that happens. And and yeah, you're right. You know, building a better supply chain means more more jobs, more efficiency for that that company as well. So a lot of them redistributed the folks within supply chain to the manufacturing side or um, you know origin supply chain uh, side, demand planning things like that. So. Um, Largely, you know, everybody benefited when when we 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 take the latest and greatest of of uh, supply chain design and and put that together with their strategy. Largely, any everybody ends up benefiting. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I mean, again, economies of scale, shared economy, whatever you want to call it. I, mean, I think there's been kind of, quite frankly, a very fundamental economic paradigm shift that goes back to your kind of finance in, in, in my own, where, you know, the world was historically thought of as a zero-sum game. But somewhere in the last 20, 30 years, as the internet's kind of given birth to a different way of thinking, which is more of an abundance, there's more than, you know, there's more co-opetition. You know, we can still be competitive, but we can collaborate. And all of these platforms that we now start sharing and using together actually benefits everybody. You can, st- and, but you can still compete, right? Like you can still have your primary job compete and let you know build your business on shared assets, if you will. You don't have to own everything, including some of your fundamental supply chain activities, right? Um, so, kind of building on that and looking again at sort of looking a little bit in today's world, you know, what would you say? And again, because you were so far ahead of the curve. You know, when you look at the world today, and, and maybe you just started to do this because now that you're coming out of UPS, you're tired again. I, I think the phone's got to be blowing up with all sorts of people asking, like, how do we do what you did for the last 30 years, which I'm sure is the common question. 
Um, but what did what do you see the world supply chain? Like I'm going to ask you now to step back and look at the world supply chain issues. How do you how do you describe what's going on to, in today's world supply chain? Right, there's an aggregate world supply chain where we move around 106 gigatons of stuff every year that we pull out of the earth and manufacture and you know it's not very circular and not very sustainable like how, how do you look at the world supply chain like if you if this was not just me on a podcast if you were sitting on you know cnbc or you know one of the biz networks and they said how do you dave look at the david look at the aggregate supply chain today what do you say is going on what's the major issue and how are we going to tackle that and it's a pretty broad question but you are one of the few people I think that has that unique perspective that actually looked at the world in that sense for gosh, 20, 30 years. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the past, the past two years have been tough on, an, yeah. uh, on everybody. Um, as you know, there, there are prior to that, there were, you know, some things evolving, I would say not, you know, not, at a rapid pace. And I think the pandemic really expedited change, uh, obviously created volatility uh, and created challenges, but it's gonna create a lot of change uh, as well and, and, and already did. So, um, you know, at, at the beginning of the, the pandemic, when, when um, people were in desperate need of, of Capacity and transportation, capacity and warehousing. So we, we mobilized the team just completely different from the processes that, that we used prior to, to get things done quickly, mm -hmm. um, eliminate barriers or um, um, processes that slowed, slowed down um, bringing up a facility for a customer. And we're able to bring up a significant amount of square feet for pandemic supplies um, and, and, and anything like that. So that's changing companies like uh, uh, um, a 3PL or, or supply chain uh, as a service companies. But it's creating, and as I talk to each of the clients that we were helping, and as I'm talking to them now, it is creating that long-term change of, we've really got to rethink our global supply chain. Mm -hmm. So those are the calls I'm, I'm getting and, and, and people that I'm working with. So, you know, I have 5,000 um, FEUs that I can't get from Asia to the US or North America timely. Um, not let alone the cost, right? Yep. Um, so I've got to rethink my network. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting held up going from, uh, Western Europe to the UK, you know, obviously Brexit, you got everything else. Um, you know, the, the congestion there is, is not going away. Uh, how do we, how do we mitigate that? Um, I can't find space in, in North America for the amount of product I want to hold now because of what happened to me prior, not being able to service the market can't happen again. I don't have manufacturing here, but I got to get basically double my on-hand inventory that I had prior, but I don't have where to put it. Mm -hmm. So those are the challenges. And then obviously the solutions are, so some of the things that, that we're seeing is manufacturing um, onshore, nearshore, right? So whether it's Mexico or, or in the US, people building additional manufacturing sites here rather than Asia. Uh, and then obviously they need uh, they need more storage as well, accordingly. Yep. So it's building uh, more storage at the manufacturing sites since they're now onshore um, there. Some, some are staying with the on-hand on inventory and are just trying to get more here. But 
do it smartly. There's a way you can do it and mitigate the cost because you're, you know, you're one DC in Miami, Florida right now. That's not the optimal transportation location. So how about getting, since you've got it, most companies follow the population you on distribution, if you're talking retail, even healthcare, you know, it's where people are. So um, how about we look at, you know, putting one in California and the Northeast, um, depending on the products, whatever they are, um, or, you know, let's go to one big one in the Midwest and then one on the West. Um, so you do increase that storage capacity, but at the same time, you have a significant transportation cost. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those are the things to work through rather than just, I just, I got to go double my warehouse right now, um, is to really think through what, what your offsets are and your customer service impacts are, right? So you may be a three or four day service now, you can go to a two day. Imagine what that does. Um, you know, you got increased warehouse costs, savings and trans costs. You know, it's a it's a weapon to use in your marketing because you're now closer to your customers. So make that make that a positive. Yep, yep. Well, let me let me build on that for a second because as you were talking about that, another interesting point of view you have, and again coming from within, you know, again a foundational supply chain company like UPS, right? You've also while building your supply chain as a service, got to observe the world as it was developing. So specifically, you were just getting kicked off and building supply chain as a service in UPS in the mid-90s when a little company called Amazon was just getting started and the internet was just getting started. So the question I have for you, you have a fascinating perspective of someone who watched someone like Amazon start as, you know, competing with, Gosh, I don't think people will remember his name, like Barnes and Noble. <laughs> they're even still, and I'm not saying this. I mean, I'm sad to see companies change, but if they're still around, I don't even know, or, or, or whoever. Uh, uh, but what did you think of Amazon as they kind of started and grew and became who they are today? Because it's 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 a pretty big difference between what these Bezos started 30 years ago to what it's become. And in fact, UPS arguably is inexorably tied to Amazon's success. And you must have been a part of that. So how did you view Amazon and its growth and what it's become you know, today, uh, which is really different from when it first started? Uh, your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I actually wasn't very involved with Amazon directly. Um, right. Obviously, all of us from an external perspective have seen it. And uh, right. I think very impressive what what they've done um you know from a from a marketplace standpoint um that's created more opportunity for everybody you know so we work with clients that um you know again the whole omni-channel concept Mm -hmm. so you know we would warehouse and then some of them they would sell through uh amazon some through ebay some through a direct channel some through etsy or whoever else Mm -hmm. right Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think Amazon creating that really the creator of the marketplace, right. Yeah. Has, has, you know, the, the water lifts all boats, right. So it's, it's lifted everybody, um, yeah. up, um, that, that plays in the direct, um, marketplace, uh, space and e-commerce uh, space. Uh, so that includes UPS. And that's why, you know, you said we're tied to them because there's just not that capacity out there. Right. And so UPS has had to build a ton of capacity uh, for everybody uh, in the, in the e-commerce boom. Um, and, and with the automation that, that they've invested in, um, you know, it's been tremendous as you saw in the, in the recent earnings, right. It's, it's, it's paying off with the the um, you know the investments that have been made to handle this this type uh, of surge of volume. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, Amazon's been incredible in all spaces that, that that they've played. But you know, I think they've actually made it better for all players in the three PL area. Well, and this goes back to one of the earlier questions, where Amazon is a case study. Although I'm not sure people are really picking this up quite yet goes to the heart of economies of scale, meaning 
one of the things over the 30 years that a lot, I think a lot of people overlook today is, is actually how much cost reduction Amazon has brought into the supply chain by bringing everybody to a common platform, right? Um, I think people have lost, don't see that, right? Because it's not as often pointed out, but it kind of goes to the fundamentals of your supply chain as a service, economic value proposition to your customers, which is again, economies of scale, you know, so that that's sort of one of the things that I, I you know I think it's interesting that you got to see as you develop that one of the benefits of your service was, hey, I'm going to help you reduce costs. It might not be obvious at first, but you know after 20 years, I've got the data to show that. Well, Amazon, if we look back on that, has probably kept a lot of prices in check, if not actually reduced them. Um, although that's not obvious upfront to most people. Right, I think that's a fair statement. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, you have to do the, the, the total cost assessment, right? With uh, free shipping is not always free shipping, right? But... Um, oh, there's a cost. I mean, we know that. But uh, when you, uh, you know, and I think you would level out those products that are efficiently run through a supply chain and a marketplace. Uh, I think you're right. I think it, it does have that effect. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's take that and then kind of springboard a little bit. So, so... Clearly, one of the reasons I reached out to you is I saw you, you know, after there nearly 40 years at UPS, uh, you know, you know, I, 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 you're almost probably one of the founders, practically, but I'm teasing a little bit, but it's, it's a, the hell of a development over that, you know, and again, supply chain and service, ah, it's like, it's like, I, I'm just, my mind kind of explodes at the things you've seen and you're able to bring to bear. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing. Now that you're kind of coming out, and again, we've talked a little bit about just people coming at you, but you know, you're coming at a time when your insights, I, I mean, if you, if you retired 20 years ago, I'm not sure your phone would be ringing off the hook. Today though, geez, Louise, you must be just, I mean, again, so what's going on with you? What are you seeing? What, what are you up to? Like what, what, what sort of the, the world have for David over the next few years? Because uh, I, I, it has to be, your choice of stuff right now it's got to be really exciting yeah um yeah a couple things so you know first uh, i'm extremely fortunate and blessed uh, to have worked at, at ups um you know i started when i was 19 and you calculate the 36 years so 55 now and uh and the ability to have an have an early retirement is is truly a blessing so um I'm happy for that. And, and I've always wanted to, as I got into feeling like I'm running my own business uh, and, and working with all the individual clients, um, really that next stage I wanted to do was, you know, go help those clients uh, that, that need it. And, and, and as you said, I've seen over the past two years, especially how, how dramatic the need is out there. So it really makes sense to, to kick it off. I did want to take a month or two off. Um, good luck with that. <laughs> um, but if, and for good reasons, um, yeah. because there is that need, and um, you know, it's it's. And what's funny is it's it's not only clients uh, coming; it's former partners that I worked with um, in the in the field, former people I worked with at at UPS or I've gone to other companies and retired or whatnot. And just people I've known from the industry, we're just bouncing ideas off of each other and getting together. And, mm -hmm. uh, and because there is so much demand out there, you know, the, the um, kind of the mantra for, for our group, which is leverage supply chain group is, is the, is the company that uh, I founded. And is that uh, the URL leverage supply chain group.com? Leverage, leverage SCG. Yep. Got it. Okay. Leverage SCG.com. Okay. And um, so we, we are looking at things uh, from a discretionary basis, discretionary being people we want to work with, mm -hmm. first of all, um, because of relationships in the past and, and knowing, uh, you know, they're really good people and they really need help. And, that's what makes us feel good is, is being able to help them and people we want to work with. So people that we're bringing into the group, um, you know, that, 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 that we have been uh, assembling to really 
service uh, a customer from start to finish in the supply chain. Now it's it's that having that breadth of expertise to really look at it and say we can we can get in there and help you versus supply, some other supply chains, which is fine. Do an overall assessment, say yeah, you probably need to go do this, 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 and look at this. Ours is managed services and consulting services. So it's really getting someone in there on the ground with you, whether it's, you know, 30, 60, 90, six months, however long to fill an open supply chain BP spot, supplement uh, what you have. So really absorb it, identify the projects and bring in any additional resources in those projects to, to help where somebody is just really uh, um, gotten a little behind um, mm-hmm. or wants to get ahead or has had a bunch of acquisitions and trying to figure out what that looks like and help execute it uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Just assembling a group of folks, like-minded folks that um, really want to do this and, and have the ability to do this on a project basis, um, you know, f- f- as the opportunities come up. Um, we've, uh, we've been fortunate to have a bunch of people call and say, yeah, Hey, I'd love to be part of it. Hey, yeah, I'd love to be part of it. Most of them already knew some of them, you know, I just contacted, Hey, let's chat. So I'll spend a couple hours chatting and it's like, wow, you do all this WMS integration. And, and I don't have that, that, that specific skill set of, you know, knowing the details of blue yonder and man. Mm-hmm. and everything and so yeah let's work together if you know if we need it i'll i'll grab you because you know i've got references from their customers so vetted them out and worked with them but we've got most of it you know covered uh, with kind of what you'd call in-house or part of the group but there's there's some that you know you got to have industry relationships to you know to bring in to, to cover off some of those really technical areas Right, right. So, so, and, and, and again, I as you're going through that, I'm listening to you, and I'm just sitting here saying, "Geez, like, like you, you're you're in a way, you spent 25 years getting insights into all these disparate companies and different verticals, and seeing the commonalities, and in essence, coming up with a playbook for supply chain optimization. And you know, you you couldn't have hit a better time when people are desperate, both as companies, but also industry verticals, and then just even the world's aggregate. I mean, I think one of the first times, and maybe I'll ask you this as well, is when I think about supply chains today, for the first time and ever, we're actually thinking about the world supply chain, not just discrete companies or industry verticals. We're actually thinking about the whole thing as a big system. You've been thinking about it as a system for 36 years you know, at UPS, but now the world's starting to think of it as a system. How does that alter your view or potentially maybe it doesn't in your consulting arrangements with companies, right? Because I would imagine one of the things going in is not just to say, hey, let's do these supply chain best practices, but also think differently about your supply chain, which it can be integrated into a more uh, efficient, larger supply chain if you start aggregating your, you know, what you can see as, you know, competitors potentially, right? Um and creating that, that those economies of scale or creating that Amazon-like experience for the enterprises, you know, in the back end. Yeah. That's a long question, Richard. But <laughs> thank you. Well, let me let me let me revisit a slightly different one. Okay? Uh, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me let me tag, let me let me carve it up into a slightly different. So let me go back to Amazon for a second. Amazon, and I'll ask you this as well, too, and even UPS arguably. Really focused, from my perspective, on the consumer supply chain, right? But there's this behemoth we call the enterprise supply chain. It's the back-end supply chain for the Fortune 2000s. That behaves differently than the consumer supply chain. Yeah. Subtly, but enough that you can't take the consumer supply chain stuff and just throw it at the enterprise supply chain. So my question to you is, you know, First of all, is there a distinction? Because there may not be. I saw you kind of oscillating. So is there a difference between consumer supply chain and enterprise supply chain? And if there is, the, it seems like the Fortune 2000s are the ones today looking to optimize their supply chain, right? Because we've been working on the consumer supply chain 
you know, for the, since the internet started, right? I mean, I know where everything is, how it got there. I can see it on Amazon. I can see it through UPS. I can track it. But uh, those those capabilities don't exist in my enterprise supply chain. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's, yeah, little different vernacular on some of those would 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 make a big difference. Whether it's yep. you know e-commerce or whether it's you know a a, a part of the omni-channel. But I think what's happening is that you call it consumer, the consumer or direct market is is blending with the commercial market, the large commercial market. That is becoming, you know, a a uh, one of the the three pillars that they have to support. Right, is the direct and um, the the retail and the kind of commercial. So. Those are blending, and that's where companies aren't experienced, right? They've either done commercial or they've done small e-commerce, right? right. A l- right. Uh, uh, largely, and I mean it's been it's been it's been trending that way, but mm-hmm. you know that's where that's where someone from an independent standpoint and and why you know I kind of wanted to do this can come in and help rationalize that for you. And say, you know, some people are apprehensive bringing in a 3PL, whether it's UPS or someone else, because they're saying, oh, well, you're going to sell me everything UPS, which yeah, right. got a solution for it. Why not sell it? Right. Um, you know, whereas and, and, and I say that largely, but, um, you know, when when when, you, when we did it, it's, hey, tell us what you're looking to do and we'll see how we fit in there. And if it's. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a West Coast DC will insource our our East Coast. Sure, you know, take a look. But that's where I think there's less apprehension from 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 uh, folks that are reevaluating their supply chain to get an independent view. So uh, we can say, yeah, I would probably look to move this this piece because it's it's small. But you've got to have the two day transit, even though you I know you're a commercial, but you're moving to direct. You've got to have a forward location in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So look to a 3PL, you know, mm-hmm. you've got the density in the East, um, but you're not very efficient. Right. So right. here's what we can do to make that operation more efficient, keep it in house. Um, and then of course your whole transportation network planning, right? Whether it's coming yeah. from Mexico or everywhere else, split it to those two DCs rather than send it to one and then having to cross dock it and ship it across the country. So it's looking at that whole process of, of, of getting the products to those multiple locations, um, you know, directly so that you, you know, again, it's, it ends up saving money overall or being neutral, uh, having another node uh, there to execute the consumer part or the e-commerce part that's coming in where you may have had just one massive camp as a commercial. Uh, and there's no real urgency, you know, in your transit. So you can put it on a LTL or FDL for that matter and chuck it to, you know, um, your purchasers. Yeah, yeah. Let me, and, and I, I, as I look at the clock here, and as always, but in, in particular here, I, I, an hour goes by without even thinking. Um, and, but I can't, I have to get one last question in uh, before, or actually two, but, but one in particular. So we've talked a lot about UPS, we've talked a lot about Amazon, we've talked a lot about you consulting, kind of bringing this to bear for the different companies that are looking to optimize their supply chains. There's another audience, though, that I also think I want to ask you about, which is the investment community. The private equity and venture capital, you know, is stampeding into this 10, 20, 30, 40 trillion dollar supply chain market. I mean, it's it's the biggest thing to have hit since the internet even started, right? So my question to you is specifically, you also are another incredible, insightful not only advocate, but consultant to the investors themselves looking to invest into optimization of technologies for supply chain, right? So how is that? I mean, that's another one. I don't know if that's directly happening to you, but I would imagine as well that the, you know, the people like a Ben Gordon over at Cambridge Capital, uh, you know, David Anderson is probably more of a colleague in the sense of, you know, supply chain uh, uh, ventures. But I imagine those people are also coming at you saying, 
hey, David, you help us to evaluate how to invest in this area. Like you would be a, a you know, you were our poster child for an EIR at a private equity or venture firm, you know, coming with your experience. Um, how do you view the investment community and what they're doing and how they're getting involved? Yeah, actually, um, you know, that's one of the areas that that I do want to uh, spend a lot of time in. And uh, it's funny you mentioned, you mentioned that I've recently connected with, uh, you know, the names you mentioned. And and once again, I, I, I was catching, not pitching uh, since. Yeah, I right. So um, I, I and yesterday got another call from, uh, you know, um, a P.E. Um, opportunity that's looking at some significant investments. So yeah, those are, those are coming now and uh, I look forward to it. That's, you know, th- those are exciting areas for me as you evaluate. Yeah. That does make sense from an investment standpoint, whether it's, you know, a, a logistics company or whether it's a logistics technology, there's so many technologies coming out now. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to compare and contrast and, and, and I'm fortunate to have a lot of folks that have been in all of those areas from a automation standpoint, um, an IT standpoint, and of course, just the broad-based logistics and all the carriers. Uh, I've spent a ton of time in transportation management, working with all the carriers. So having that broad base and the experts to, to bounce things off of, um, you know, really helps. So really looking to to help make a difference in, in that in that area. That's awesome. Well, let me on that note. Let me let me wind it down a little bit. And, and any uh, uh, you know parting thoughts from you in this? We're not parting thoughts, but just you know, how do people get in touch with you? You know, I know I found you on LinkedIn. You know, I know you're open to LinkedIn. There, you just described your new business that you're launching and this website. But just yeah, tell us a little bit about you know how people get in touch after they hear this. Yeah, for sure. LinkedIn's the easiest. Um, yeah. There's not not too there. There is one other David Quintilio out there. Um, <laughs> amazing, amazingly, in the world. But uh, yeah, you'll see uh, leverage, leverage supply chain group um, out there on LinkedIn and, and LinkedIn messaging um, is, is the easiest. Um, you know, I've got my uh, website offline now. I'm adding a much more you know, material because, uh, like I said, I've been catching, not pitching. So uh, yeah. tweaking that before I fully uh, 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 have that updated. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn's easiest or um, DM Quintilio at gmail.com. Done. Done. Well, that's awesome. Well, David, I, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I'm glad I caught you at the time that you were embarking on this new adventure, really going to, you know, going to stay in touch, number one, but also just, you know, you're already, you were, and you already are, are, are part of the global conversation that's making this, this huge shift in supply chain innovation now. Uh, and, 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 and it really is just a pleasure to be able to chat with you and kind of hear some of your thoughts. Thanks, Richard. Always a pleasure. Uh, appreciate you reaching out and, and anytime. I mean, glad it. to check in. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you, sir. You have a good one. This is Richard Donaldson. Thanks for listening. If you have any comments about the episode or topics in supply chain, you'd like us to explore. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at supply chain next at request.com. And while you're at it, why not check out the Request platform at supplychain.request.com. Request allows you to manage the full asset lifecycle in the cloud, collaborating with your entire value network to buy, manage, and sell your assets. Find out more at www.request.com.